And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. We spent the whole week at the State House, but I feel like uh, I was spending half of my time watching what was going on in Capitol Hill. We usually don't have to worry about uh, Washington, D.C. as it pertains to K-12 policy, but this was a crazy week. A this was an exception to the rule. This was a different week, Kevin, and, and you took the lead as we were in the State House. As you said, you had kind of one eye and one ear uh, towards D.C., uh, but break down the crazy week in Washington and, and kind of keep an eye on, on how this might affect Idaho uh, as you do. Right, right. So you have to start with Tuesday and the historic confirmation vote uh, involving Betsy DeVos, who is now the new education secretary. For the first time in American history, a vice president had to cast the tie-breaking vote in a cabinet confirmation. And not surprisingly, Mike Pence uh, cast the deciding vote in favor of Betsy DeVos. Also not surprisingly, because we had kind of foreshadowed this uh, leading into Tuesday's vote, uh, Idaho Senators uh, Mike Crapo and Jim Risch voted in favor of the DeVos confirmation. There was a, an intense lobbying campaign surrounding this, as, as I think most of you already know. The a Democrats lot. held the Senate floor for like 24 hours 24 the whole night hours. And behind the scenes, you had a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of lobbying as opponents were trying to find that third Republican to break ranks and oppose uh, the DeVos nomination. They didn't get it. Uh, the 48 Democrats held firm. 50 Republicans uh, voted for DeVos. And that led you to that 50-50 tie that, that we talked about. So what does this mean now for Idaho? And what does this mean now for DeVos? I mean, for Idaho, I think a lot of kind of wait and see. As I talked to folks this week, um, folks I think are kind of trying to figure out, well, where is she going to go and what is she going to do? You know that school choice is her big thing. You know that vouchers and charter schools and education savings accounts, that whole menu of, uh, of options is, uh, is definitely in her wheelhouse. It's definitely forefront um, from, from her uh, set of priorities. Now, does Idaho follow suit? We know that the voucher concept is very controversial, and it's right now patently unconstitutional in Idaho. So we'll see. I don't expect a big sea change on things like vouchers in Idaho anytime soon. And, and I think we really have to figure out what exactly is this new secretary going to be able to do. You know, one of the things that struck me, and I we were at the, the same breakfast Tuesday morning yep. with, with Butch Otter. Um, and one of the things I kind of asked him about, asking him about DeVos is, you know, the governor has talked a lot about how uh, he takes a lot of personal pride in this, that uh, Idaho has this five-year plan for education. You have this consensus support for it that grew out of the task force in 2013, where everybody seemed to agree on a general set of directions. And that's kind of translated to a large degree at the state house when you get to voting on education budgets and education policy. It's the direct opposite now in D.C. It's the direct opposite with his new education secretary, who leads a you know divided uh, country on this issue. If there's one thing that comes out of this whole lobbying effort is that uh, there are a lot of folks who really are concerned about. How is the secretary going to treat public education, not just non-traditional uh, forms of education? So, yeah, not much of a mandate and really hard to govern when you have uh, such a razor-thin uh, support as she has. 
Yeah, and uh, I want to point out, we've talked about this before, but Idaho's House Education Committee Chairwoman Julie Van Orden has previously talked to us about sort of taking a wait-and-see approach with major education reform, waiting to see uh, what the new administration will do, waiting to see, uh, first, if DeVos would be confirmed, then second, how the plan would be ruled out. So we've already had a signal that major reforms likely are not uh, coming forward in the 2017 session, maybe let the dust settle, take stock of where we are, consider those types of things maybe in 2018 uh, was kind of the tone that's been set mm-hmm. in the state house. I want to stay in Washington, D.C., though. The DeVos confirmation vote was not the only action out of D.C. that affects education policy in Idaho. Right. Explain, right. if you would. So the same day that Betsy DeVos was confirmed in the Senate, You had a handful of House Republicans introduce a bill that would eliminate her agency. It would mothball the U.S. Department of Education in December of 2018. Um, The Idaho angle here is that Raul Labrador is one of the, I believe there are seven or eight uh, co-sponsors all told on this bill. So if this all sounds familiar to you, it really should, because there's a long history of uh, conservative Republicans wanting to get rid of the U.S. Department of Education. It began really shortly after the department was created during the Carter years. Right. I mean, Ronald Reagan, his first year in office, he wanted to get rid of the Department of Education. He couldn't get it done. So we're talking about almost 30, 35, 40 years of this sort of um, angst about there being a federal education department. So there's a long way before this even passes. I mean, the political climate would have to be much different than it's been for the past generation on on federal education policy. And when I asked Labrador's office, okay, what does this mean in terms of the $264 million the state gets in federal education dollars? What I heard from Labrador's staff is he would support keeping the money coming with no strings attached. Now, that's his school of thought on this, perhaps, but, you know, I think there may be other members of Congress who very well would say, well, why are we getting rid of a federal agency if we're not going to, you know, cut spending along the way? Right. I don't think there's, there's a lot of moving targets here in terms of how this would play out and a long way before it even happens. I mean, this is, you know, you would think based on the history, this is kind of a long shot bid to get rid of the agency. Yeah, for sure. Uh, One of the things uh, that that could be affected by this, the previous Congress had just voted to pass into law a major federal education law, the Every Student Succeeds Act. We've talked about that for a couple of years. That effectively replaced the controversial No Child Left Behind Act, right, Kevin? Yeah. Let's let's move from if the get rid of the Department of Education bill is more of the theoretical, maybe ideological school of thought here. Let's talk about something that's a lot more tangible. Uh, the House, U.S. House, uh, passed a, a rollback in some rules governing that, that ESSA law. And one of those uh, pertains to a set of rules regarding states and their school accountability systems. So we got to see what happens in the Senate on this, but that's got a real impact. And it's having an immediate impact in terms of what's going on with the uh, accountability plan in the state. Um, Sharia Barra had been expected to take this whole plan to the State Board of Education for final review when the State Board meets in in Boise next week. Well, that's not happening. And it's not clear when they're going to take this plan to the State Board. And it's worth mentioning, and and you've covered this much more closely, so you can 
you know, definitely uh, fill in a lot of blanks that I'm going to leave here. But the bottom line is the state doesn't have a school accountability system in place and hasn't since 2014. Right. At no point in Superintendent Ibarra's administration has there been an official statewide accountability program in place. That is because under the Tom Luna administration, uh, the state repealed uh, the controversial five-star school rating system. So along with that Every Student Succeeds Act, the ESSA Act that we talked about, the federal education law, uh, it pushed accountability and control of schools away from the federal government and towards the states. And one of the components to go along with that extra oversight going to the states was the state needed to develop uh, a plan for complying with the Every Student Succeeds Act, and one aspect of that plan was a new accountability uh, system. The State Board of Education... Yeah, it's a dashboard. The State Board of Education, State Department of Education, spent most of 2016 developing this thing, getting some public feedback, coming up with a plan that would have split schools into three different classes for accountability purposes. Their plan was uh, uh, to have alternative high schools as one class, traditional high schools as a second class, and then K through 8 public schools as the third class for accountability purposes. They wanted to have multiple measures, multiple data points uh, reflected in that accountability plan rather than just the results of one high-stakes test. And the House Education Committee just last week quietly, very quietly, approved the state's accountability plan through an administrative rule. Uh, it was set to go forward to the State Board of Education next week. And then the Superintendent of Public Instruction, Sherry Barr, had talked about getting geared up to turn this over to the federal government for final approval as early as March, as early as next month. All of that appears to be on hold. It's a very much a developing story. And at this point, I don't think we know the exact path forward in terms of when we pick this up, what this means for accountability in the state of Idaho, or, or when this might get back on track. I think we're waiting for the other shoe to drop or, or the Senate to at least take action, uh, it seems like. Right, Kevin? Right, and, and this feels like something we hear around the state house a lot, and not just about education this session. is a whole kind of wait and see. Well, we don't know what's going to happen in D.C. We don't know what Trump is going to do. We don't know how this new, new administration and this new cabinet is going to deal with well, healthcare, and now you're seeing it now with education, definitely. with We got very far down the road. The state got very far down the road in terms of this accountability framework. Uh, it's been through the state board. It's been through one of the legislative committees like you talked about. And, and now the brakes are on it. We don't know how long that's uh, that uh, delay is going to be. So stay tuned. We'll <laughs> kind of try to see where and when and how this accountability uh, framework gets uh, gets moving again if it gets moving uh, at all and, and real quickly if you're a parent or a teacher you know listening to this today i know there's a lot of uncertainty but it appears that by doing nothing the status quo remains in place it doesn't uh, entail a drastic change that, that your teacher or that your kids will, will have to deal with this school year it looks like the status quo would be in place, but a lot of uncertainty. Um, but we'll continue to follow it. We may know more as early as next week. Right. And, and when we do know more, uh, we'll, we'll publish what we find at IdahoEdNews.org, uh, and we'll talk about it back here on Extra Credit. But I want to leave Washington. I want to yeah, leave well, Washington. Because there was actually stuff going on yeah. in the Idaho State House. One of the busiest weeks of the whole year at the Idaho uh, State House, at least for the House Education Committee, which really devoted most of its time this week to taking up 
academic standards. It started off on Tuesday when the House Education had a, a review of a proposed proposed slate of new science standards. This has proven extremely controversial in the state of Idaho. Last year, the legislature quietly rejected proposed new science standards. There were some grumblings about the treatment of global warming, human impact on the environment, age and history of the universe, and so the legislature rejected them last year without much debate at all. And that meant that we kept in place existing science standards that we had had since 2001. Those standards were criticized by Idaho science teachers. So... All of 2016 was spent developing these new science standards. Uh, the State Board of Education and Governor Otter actually mm-hmm. uh, sort of flew under the radar and approved them on a temporary basis at the very beginning of this year. The legislature still had to review them, otherwise those standards would expire. And the legislature did review them, and the action that the House took um, new representative Scott Syme, I believe he's from Caldwell, Caldwell a Republican yes. from Caldwell, mm-hmm. uh, led action to remove five paragraphs from the standards, almost 500 words uh, altogether that dealt with climate change, rising global temperatures, and especially negative human impact on the environment. Representative Syme had said that these standards did not tell both sides of the debate. And that itself is a controversial claim because a lot of uh, folks who will counter and say, what both sides of the debate? But uh, the scientific consensus seems to be fairly uh, strong right now in favor of, you know, the premise that climate is changing. Yeah. It was interesting. Superintendent Sherry Ibarra made a strong personal appeal on Tuesday to pass the standards as written. She said these were developed by our best and brightest science teachers. They were subject to uh, significant vetting and a very public, transparent uh, process. We covered some of those Mm -hmm. meetings and and had a look at that public, transparent process. Uh, And then on Thursday, when Representative Syme made the move to reject those five standards, she went along with it. She said, I can live with that. Uh, And she even suggested, rather than having a standard that addressed rising global temperatures, the superintendent suggested language that would say rising or falling uh, global temperatures. That's not what made it in there, uh, but that was a suggestion that the superintendent made. I do want to point out that the original motion to approve the science standards uh, was made by a freshman Republican representative, Uh, Paul Amador, Amador. and he said that he doesn't have a problem with teaching both sides of the debate, but what he favored uh, was trusting the teachers who developed these standards and trusting the public process that led them uh, to these standards as written. And so he said he was comfortable with that process, trusted the teachers, and uh, and his motion uh, didn't succeed because the substitute motion was to remove the language uh, addressing climate change and human impact on the environment. That was Thursday. Then on Friday, more controversy in the House Education Committee as they took up a review of standards that included Idaho Core Standards in English, Idaho Core Standards in Math, and the adoption of new computer science standards. Ten teachers came out in support of these Idaho Core Standards in Math. They've been very controversial sort of on talk radio, on social media, mm-hmm. among parents, at community organizations. Uh, but it was nothing but support for the standards and committee, and they just approved two minor changes to math, something like 22 changes in English, and they adopted new uh, computer science standards. There was a little bit of a back and forth 
about arts and humanities standards and how those are defined. And so uh, one section of, of the humanities standards that defined those uh, was rejected or, or withheld. But for the most part, those were all kept intact and approved and a lot of support from educators. So, so for all of the debate over Common Core, and we had a rally on the State House steps uh, last week, uh, urging the repeal of Common Core, really not a lot of change in these uh, uh, Common Core aligned standards. No, 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 no major changes to the Common Core aligned standards. Nobody testified against the Common Core standards in committee today. So those folks that were vocal, uh, invisible in the State House a week or two ago, uh, they either didn't show up today, or if they did, they chose not to uh, make their views heard or known. And. To move ahead on this process, to look down the road, all of these standards now have to go to the Senate Education Committee who can go along with the changes that were made in the House. Uh, They can accept the original standards as is. They can make their own changes. So, you know, the joys of a bicameral legislature, we'll see what happens on the uh, other side of the rotunda and see if, uh, you know, see if there's any agreement about how to move forward on any and all of these standards. Right. It could get a little interesting when the Senate takes this up, especially if they were to, for instance, pass the standards but not remove the same language that House Education did. Then we get into a a little bit of a procedural bird's nest um, at that point. But what has been interesting, though, watching this whole, you know, debate over the science standards as it unfolded on the House is that there was a lot different tone to it, to, to me, reading about it. I mean, last year, we were in the committee meetings when the science standards came up, and it seemed kind of this oblique mention of the standards themselves and a lot more discussion about flaws in the process and whether those were real flaws in the process or uh, you know, overstated flaws in the process. Right. Uh, that's in the eye of the beholder, but really not a lot of discussion about the content of the standards. This time around, it was kind of a, a full-on... Uh, discussion of should the uh, science standards include references to climate change. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, that's, a gr- that's a great observation, Kevin. In fact, members of the committee uh, praised the process, praised uh, the development of the standards, praised the public hearings, uh, and they appeared very happy uh, with that process. And then they did get into the, uh, the meat of the standards uh, themselves. And I do want to point out... Uh, that nobody really opposed the science standards as written in, in their testimony. Another thing I wanted to point out in terms of kind of how the legislative session has taken shape this year, I've heard some comments that, oh, where's the big bill on, on education? Have we yet to see it yet? Uh, no, I don't think we necessarily have to see it yet, uh, but the legislature has already taken up major changes through this administrative rule process. We're talking accountability. We're talking about controversial academic standards. And, and that was why... Uh, before the election, we talked about the importance of this crazy, nuanced rulemaking process mm-hmm. and the importance of this uh, constitutional amendment that passed uh, in November. We've seen the major education policy action this year within the rules process, mm-hmm. not within uh, the strict uh, bill writing process, right? And it's worth noting, Idaho voters ratified this process when they went to the polls in November. They upheld the legislature's right to review rules. So if you like what happened with the change in the science standards, or if you're upset with what happened with the change in the science standards, it does go back to this unique, 
you know, purview that Idaho legislators have over administrative rules, and voters said they wanted to keep it. So <laughs> this is, you know, this is a direct, you know, result of uh, what happened at the polls a couple of months ago. Sure, but people saying that it's a, a slow session, nothing's happened on education. I don't think that's the case. I think major things are happening on education. It's just not happening through new bill introduction. It's happening through this very complicated administrative rulemaking process. And we will keep an eye on the rules uh, aspect. And if and when legislation comes along that's major or minor on education, we'll be, uh, we'll be there watching the rest of this legislative session. We're maybe uh, almost halfway through, but we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, a uh, target adjournment date uh, that was set by leadership early in the session was March 24th. We may be well on our way there at this point. I want to remind everybody that you can check all of our headlines uh, from the busy week that was at IdahoEdNews.org. If you want to follow at IdahoEdNews on Twitter, that's where we break all of our news. We also live tweet some of these uh, more interesting meetings at the State House. Mm-hmm. If you're on Twitter, that might be worth checking out. As always, I want to thank everybody so much for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. <laughs>